the podcast from Belmont Chapel in Exeter, sharing the story, living the life. For more information, go to belmontchapel.org.uk. Okay, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. I'm just going to pray. Lord, we thank you um, for the fact that we come to a God of love, a faithful God. And yet we know that we are so far from that. And we pray that tonight um, you will speak to us through your word, you will remind us of your goodness and be challenging and encouraging us for the ways in which you want us to be more like you. So we just commit uh, this evening into your hands, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we've been following a series looking at how we are to relate to one another within the church and beyond, doing relationships God's way. And so far, we've looked at loving one another, accepting one another, bearing one another's burdens, and encouraging one another. These are all things that, humanly speaking, maybe we can wrap our heads around. Sure, we are selfish individuals, and our natural tendency will be to think of our own needs first. But being loving, accepting, supporting others, encouraging others, these are all things that we like, humans in general, like to to aim to be. Forgiveness, however, is not a natural thing. And so it's much more of a stretch for us mere humans. It's so countercultural and so unnatural. And very often can be seen by others as offensive and certainly impossible. As I've been preparing for this talk, I looked at uh, a talk or listened to a talk from R.T. Kendall. And in his book on total forgiveness, he says, Total forgiveness is as spectacular as any miracle. We're talking about a feat greater than climbing Mount Everest. It means the highest watermark in anyone's spiritual pilgrimage. And yet, it is within reach of any of us. Okay, Artie, if you say so. Forgiveness can happen in many different ways at different levels. It could be a long, painful and complex process in response to a major hurt or a systemic abuse that can take a lot of time, prayer, um, and counselling to go through. It can also be 
a collection of small, pretty mundane choices that we might make to ensure peace and harmony between us. And to be honest, we're going to be focusing more on that tonight. Now, we might overlook the significance of these choices, but God doesn't. His word is full of commands about how to relate to one another. And we read a passage that had many, a whole string of commands about how we should forgive and love and make peace with one another. But because they often come in rapid succession, it's very easy sometimes to to miss out, to fail to take note of them. So tonight we're going to attempt to um, look a little more deeply at um, perhaps what we are and aren't doing and what the Bible says about it. And we might find we need to think about changes we need to make in what we do, say and think, and how we react to others in what they do and say. Where might we need to be more thoughtful, more humble, more slow to act, more gracious? And where we might need to be less sensitive and overthinking. So we'll give some time to reflect on that um, in prayer later on. I'm very conscious, though, that for some, just the word forgiveness is a tough one. And the need to forgive others who have hurt some of us or those we love is a very deep and real one. But it's possibly a very painful journey that we're on or that we need to embark on. And it's going to take more than one talk at Belmont to sort us out. If you're in that position, maybe some of what's said tonight might feel a little superficial. Please don't feel that that's where God wants to leave you. Do reach out and talk to someone, myself or someone else tonight, if that's helpful, or make a plan to talk to someone else you trust. There is so much I could say on this topic. Um, And um, Andrew said to me this morning, well, if I do go on for two hours tonight, then I give you guys an immediate opportunity to put into practice what we've been talking about, which is to forgive me. So either way, we're going to win. Either you'll hear masses of wonderful stuff, but it's too long and you'll have to forgive me, or, uh, yeah, whatever happens, you're going to win. But my prayer is that wherever we're at tonight, in terms of our relationships with others, we will be reminded of the depths of the Father's love for us, his forgiveness shown to us, and that the forgiveness and love he calls us to show others is possible within the knowledge of his forgiveness for us. And it's only fully fully possible within the knowledge of that. Okay, forgiveness. I did, didn't find an ideal um, um, description, um, but I got the sense as I was reading that forgiveness can be cancelling a debt that is owed, letting someone off the hook, and especially when someone has hurt me, it's relinquishing the right um, and the desire I might have to retaliate, and then choosing to keep on doing this and to let go of bad feelings I might have towards the person. As I was reading about this, though, it became clear that forgiveness isn't 
um, excusing or forgetting an offence. There's, there's that, that phrase, love covers a multitude of sins. Yes, it does. But in Jesus' teaching, he does say that offence is significant and we may well need to go and deal with the person um, who's caused it um, directly. So it's not right to just simply say forgive and forget. Forgiveness also isn't reconciliation because we need two people to be in agreement for this. It's truly wonderful when this happens. And if you're in a situation where it hasn't happened yet, I would want to encourage you not to give up hope that reconciliation can happen, but it requires two people um, to agree to that process. But forgiveness is my responsibility alone. I don't need the other person to be agreeing. I don't need them to be acknowledging their wrong or asking for for forgiveness. I don't even need them to be a part of my life now, but I'm still called to forgive. It's also important to note that forgiveness isn't just something that Christians do. Now, I've got a confession to make. Um, I've been watching rather a lot of Traitors, the TV series, and um, if you're not aware of it, it may not be for everyone, but uh, so-called faithful competitors are are, are working towards a prize, uh, um, a money prize, and at the same time trying to figure out who the traitors are um, who might be wanting to murder um, the faithful, uh, get rid of them, and steal the money at the end. Um, fascinating to watch and in one episode I I won't be spoiling I don't think a competitor finds out that someone else who has been like a parent figure to them uh, was actually a traitor and the devastation on their face not just as at losing the money which I think they really felt they needed uh, and were going to win But they were also, it was the fact that their fellow player had been lying to them all along. It was really painful to see. But then I heard them utter the words, I choose to give you grace. I was really impressed by this. I didn't have any reason to think that this player was speaking with any religious conviction, but what a powerful thing to hear. I think they were recognizing, rightly, that if I hold on to this anger, it won't help me in the long run. Unforgiveness is the source of bitterness, and if left unchecked, it will do the greatest damage to me. The Forgiveness Project is a secular um, project that, on a website that shares many inspiring stories of people of faith or not of faith, who've experienced horrific losses and yet have chosen to enter into a process of restorative justice because it helps them to move on ultimately and heal from the hurt they've experienced and hopefully um, acts as a way of bringing good out of an awful situation and perhaps change uh, for the future. So it does seem to be accepted now that forgiveness has real benefits. Wow, something God tells us to do is good for us. It's great that the world is catching on. And it's possible for humans just about. So what makes it different for us 
as followers of Jesus? And why is it an essential part of our community life? Well, first of all, God commands it. Scripture is full of um, um, commands to forgive one another. um, And we need to take them seriously. As we just look at, as we've been looking at John's gospel, as we look at the words Jesus says um, through, throughout the gospels, his teaching is very clear about the need to forgive and go on forgiving. In his prayer, when he taught his disciples to pray, he featured the need to forgive one another as God has forgiven us. And of course, He gave the example, didn't he, when under the greatest stress being lifted up on the cross, he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. So God's command to us is enough. God says it, I need to forgive. But I guess a more winning one that speaks to my heart more is the experience I have of God's forgiveness myself. If you missed it this morning, um, please do check in on this morning's sermon um, or the whole service uh, where uh, we came to the end of our series on John and looked at Peter's um, encounter with Jesus where he reinstated him and showed his forgiveness. It's quite incredible. And in one encounter Jesus had with a woman who was pouring out her devotion to him with abundant gift of perfume and oil, he said that she has been forgiven much and so she loves much. Well, surely that goes for us too. We've been forgiven so much. We sometimes take that for granted and forget just how holy God is, just how impossible it is to reach him, just how... um, bigger debt of sin we had and yet he enabled that to be forgiven another reason why we're called to forgive I believe is in especially um, brought out in the book of of the letter to the Ephesians um, where it tells of God's plan to reconcile all things to himself and to one another and that includes the Jews and the Gentiles this group these two groups that were impossible it was impossible for them to come together and yet that is what is happening in the church at Ephesus I won't read all of this but God's purpose was to reconcile those two groups to together and to himself and that the church actually was a demonstration of God's gospel Now, we as members of his church here in Belmont and in the wider church have that same calling that the church of Ephesus did, to be those trophies of God's grace, a demonstration to one another, to the world around us, and to the spiritual realms of God's glorious gospel. And every little situation where we have a chance to make a good choice, to make peace, to forgive is an opportunity to reenact the gospel, even those small and mundane situations. So my prayer has been that if we keep these three 
things, these three um, motivations in mind, then surely we'll be able to enjoy the freedom that comes with letting one another off the hook and loving as Christ has loved us. But love is a battlefield. Apologies to anyone who, for whom that brings painful 80s music memories. Why do we forget all this so easily? And why is it a problem for us? Surely we are amongst wonderful, lovely brothers and sisters in Christ. There should be no problems between us, right? Now, maybe this is something that those of you that live in families take for granted. Um, but I'm someone who's lived on my own for quite a long time. And for 10 years, I worked from home on my own. Um, and I feel since I've come to Belmont, I've been on a bit of a crash course in learning how to be around other people. <laughs> and I'm so grateful, especially to those in the office who bear with me as I'm also learning how to bear with other people. I've discovered oh, that it can be highly uncomfortable and painful at times being in Christian community, working, worshipping, serving alongside people very different to me. People in my home group, the teams I serve on, the people I greet on a Sunday, different ages, stages of life. Yet it gives us so many opportunities to learn from one another and about ourselves. And it's not always through the pleasant encounters, is it? It's through the uncomfortable ones. And that's why we encourage students and young adults to join home groups and join in <coughs> with intergenerational teams rather than mostly staying with their peers because there's so many valuable lessons to be learned. But yes, it is a battlefield, isn't it? at church sometimes, in the car park, in the concourse, in the kitchen. When we respond to what a service leader or a speaker or someone leading the prayers is doing, when they say too much or don't say enough, when it feels like they're getting at us or they don't get us, or we're excluded from the attention that others are getting, when the worship leaders or band leaders are using all the same so old songs or they keep bringing in new ones or they use styles or phrases or songs that wind us up. When we're sitting next to somebody who's annoying us or who ignores us or who won't talk to us or who talks too much to us. When we don't get to sit with the person we want to when no one wants to sit with us. When there are disagreements about the way things are done and what we believe things that we care deeply about and we really want to defend, truths we want to defend. And yet we are around and in family with people with very different views on how to do this. It's a battlefield. And it's not helped by my preoccupation with self. Life gets so busy and complex Someone said recently, church is like a machine with many moving parts. And there's lots going on and certain things I want to do and I want to do them well because they're good things. And, um, but so do the others around me. And it's very easy for me in my responsibilities and my busyness and my stress to forget the importance of what they're doing and to just focus on my thing. We need to learn to see things from others' perspectives, don't we? 
How many times have I got upset because I've made an assumption about what someone's thinking, why they've done a certain thing? When if I stop to think about it and what, what they're going through at the moment or what else they're looking at, if I took time to pray imaginatively to kind of see things from their angle, then I'm giving opportunity for that compassion to grow. And yes, if there's time to actually talk it through and ask questions. How often my ego gets in the way. Church is, you're surrounded by so many people that you can compare yourself with. And maybe I might feel better or worse. Um, and, but I might well feel the need to puff myself up to make myself feel better about myself. Um, if you identify with any of that, then I really recommend Tim Keller's book, The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. Really helpful in realising that all that matters is not what I think about myself, what you think about me, but what God thinks about me. It's incredibly freeing. And then I was just reflecting on maturity, because this week I've been looking through some old diaries and... um, (laughs) journals that I wrote when I was trying to get through different difficult situations and forgive people and wow I could learn a thing or two from past me Um, I don't think we necessarily get better at bearing with one another when we're older do we because we get used to the way we like to do things we can get stubborn and fixed let's be open to learn from those younger than us Or ask God to sort of revive us and bring back our youthful earnest. Sometimes we have to actively choose to let people off the hook. And this is harder, I have to say, for those of us who are overthinkers. If you are a laid-back person who's quite chill... And um, or you're less self-aware, maybe, you maybe have an easier time with this. So please bear with your overthinking friends as, as we bear with you. Um, <laughs> sorry, I couldn't stop. I'm not looking at anyone. <laughs> we might have to let them off the hook for hurting us, for neglecting stuff, for forgetting things, for making a mistake or not being perfect for not matching up to our expectations, which maybe weren't that realistic, for not anticipating our needs before we ask, for being different to me. I might have to forgive people for having a different sense of humour, a different love language, different ways of reacting to stress. Sometimes I have to learn to say, quite simply, I choose to give you grace. But it's not a simple matter, is it? That's why Paul encourages us to make every effort to maintain the the bond of the spirit of peace. It requires humour, prayer. It requires the Holy Spirit. There is something miraculous about these small choices to forgive and bear with one another. And we need, therefore need the Holy Spirit to help us. We also need 
to exercise some discipline. And we're going to spend a bit of time praying in a few minutes and ask God to show us if there's natural ways of reacting to other people that aren't always helpful and we might need to work against. There might be a spiritual discipline that can help. So if actually you find it really hard to fathom out what other, why other people are upset, or then maybe journaling. <laughs> um, journaling your prayers might be an active discipline you can try to learn thinking a different way. Or if your natural tendency is to retreat from people when it's just too hard to be around them, then maybe sometimes we have to volunteer to be out there with people very different to ourselves to just stretch a few muscles. That's why I joined Holiday Club last, last year, because um, I felt I wanted to be with some people who were very different to me. I absolutely loved it. Um, but it, I went to it because I wanted to train and grow. Sometimes letting go is not quite enough. It's not always a simple case of just getting on with it and overlooking a wrong that's been done to us. I can't spend too much time, I'm the wrong, this is the wrong time for that, but we're hearing so much, aren't we, about those who've experienced abuse within the church in the UK and elsewhere. And the word forgiveness can sound frankly downright offensive at times. Everything in our culture says we need to speak out that those who are wronged must be heard. Now, how do we square this with God's call to forgive? Well, it's really important to remember that Jesus said that wrongs must be dealt with in a right way. And you can read more about that in Matthew 18. We are not called to enable a situation to continue where wrongs aren't dealt with, where sin isn't challenged abuse isn't addressed, and justice isn't sought. I want to look at a few points of the forgiveness process that are important for all of us here. First of all, how we think about it. When when someone has wronged us, how do we think about it? It's crucial to get the right perspective on the situation. Going first to God rather than others. What is he saying? How does he want me to respond? What can I learn? Do I need forgiveness myself? Is there wrong that I have done? We want to try to understand where the other person is coming from. Did they really mean to say that? Did I actually hear them say that we do need to acknowledge the wrongdoing and the hurt that it's caused and if we can't do that with the person before God first of all and of course we need to resist that urge to do the natural response of retaliation wanting to punish or keep a record of wrongs so if that car cuts me up It can be so tempting for me to blow my horn to make it very clear of their sin. Or once I finally get a chance to overtake them a few minutes later to give them a really dirty look as I do so, just so they know. Resist that urge. We need to let God do what he wants to do in the life of the person that's done wrong. 
And we need to pray for them to know God's forgiveness and be willing for him to release the burden of their guilt. It's also important how we talk about it. It's very natural when I feel wronged to go to someone else and say, am I being unreasonable? Is is it just me? And to try and sort of bring other people perhaps on board uh, with my sense of um, sense of hurt and I see this many times I've done it myself where other people get drawn in um, to a situation that is of conflict that is not for that for them to be involved in sometimes however I think it really is important to share with the right person Um, but make sure it's someone that you expect and are willing to get correction loving correction from I talk about her a lot of the time, but Barbara is my person. Um, I know that she will speak the truth to me in love. And on the very rare occasion she needs it, I have permission to do the same for her. Everyone needs a Barbara in their lives. And I would love it if we can encourage more of a culture of feeling able to call one another out lovingly, respectfully and wisely, but having those tough conversations with one another, but not going to one after the other to go through it with this person and that person. We're called to be kind and gentle. I grew up with the phrase when I was very young, I didn't really know what it meant, but I heard a soft answer turns away wrath. And it does. Sometimes the right thing to do is actually to diffuse that difficult situation um, or that pain by choosing to be gentle and compassionate. And choosing to be timely about it. Another Hudson phrase was, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And uh, so we tried to make a point if there'd been a row or some hurts, then we would acknowledge that, okay, maybe we're too tired to actually talk it through now, but we want to forgive. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. We also need to think about how we act. If I've decided to let it go and not talk to um, the other person about it, the thing that's, that's happened that's gone wrong. I need to stick to that decision. It's very easy to keep get, to be kind of like, okay, everything's fine, everything's fine, but actually underneath is a, is a volcano waiting to erupt. Or I might, I might sort of hold back from the other person or cool off just to make it enough to make it clear that they've done wrong. If I've decided I'm not going to talk to them about it, I need to move on. We need to let God heal us. It's so tempting to dig around to pick at an old scar and not let it heal properly. And we need to ask God's help to remember the other person's sins no more. Again, especially important for those of us who overthink. As we allow God to heal us, bring healing and speak his truths about us and the other person and what's happened, it can help diffuse or be like weed killer for that bitterness that wants to grow. 
But sometimes the bitterness is already growing, so I need to be ruthless and be working at digging it out and destroying it. Actively seek to bless the person. This is another part of the forgiveness process. Um, I had um, an interesting time this week where I was... I was processing all, all of this, and I was praying, and I remembered a situation of someone who hurt me very, very badly many years ago, and um, never really had a chance to sort of talk about it since we're not in contact. But I, I was praying, and I was praying for God's blessing, and it was awesome, and I thought, wow, I've really forgiven him, haven't I? Great, I can do this talk now. I've really forgiven him. And then a few minutes later, I'm kind of thinking, yeah, but if you met him now, what would you say? And straight away, I'm into, oh, he needs to know that, that he hurt me. It's important for future reference that he knows. Oh, no. Okay, it's a process. And I need to persevere in that process of giving that situation to God, forgiving, choosing to think well of that person and bless them. Sometimes we just have to do the impossible thing in the moment. Now, many of you, I guess, will have heard the story of Corrie Ten Boom, and um, she was she and her family were imprisoned in uh, Nazi um, concentration camps um, for helping Jews in the Second World War, and um, she um, survived. And later on, was was giving a talk on forgiveness. And in the audience was one of the German um, guards who had been responsible for the torment of her and her um, sister who had died in the camp. And he didn't recognize her, but he had been, um, uh, he'd become a Christian and he'd been deeply touched by her talk about forgiveness and he walked up to her and gave her his hand. And in that moment, she has to decide everything about me I, I hate but I have to hold out my hand and shake his hand and God enabled her to do that I had my own experience of that a few years ago um, a member of our family um, uh, chose to leave and caused and that, that situation caused a lot of hurt to lots of people in my family that I love very much and of course, it's, it's often even harder to forgive when people hurt someone else, isn't it? And um, as I understand it, the, the people closely involved made some kind of reconciliation. My parents reached out to her. And when at Dad's funeral, she appeared. And I was, I was really angry. How dare she turn up at this funeral? Um, what's she doing here? But I, I knew that the people more closely involved were okay with it, so I just had to focus on what I had to do at the funeral. And then a few months later, it's mum's funeral, and there she is again. And this time, I couldn't avoid her. Didn't have time to process, to go through the process of things. I'd never quite been part of that reconciliation process, um, 
and hadn't really dealt with how I felt. I just had had a lot of anger at the hurt that I'd seen. But there she is. I was like, God, help me. What do I do? He helped me reach out my arms to hug her. That's God at work in a situation. Instantly bringing healing. What a relief it felt to acknowledge our shared grief at mum's passing. And for me to know, I don't know where she is with God, but for me to know, wow, forgiveness is real. I choose to give you grace. Very simple, profound words that are so hard to live out, but so powerful when we hear them said, and even more when people truly follow through. Let's thank God that he said that to us first. I choose to give you grace. And he followed through in his giving of himself for us. And as he calls us to forgive, oh, I haven't got the verse up here. As he calls up to, uh, us to forgive, as we remember his command, as we remember his forgiveness, as we think of our purpose to be a church that demonstrates his gospel, it is possible to forgive because it's God who works in us to will and to act in order to f- fulfill his good purpose. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to lead us in a time of shared reflection. Lord God, forgiveness, forgiving one another, is there's big, huge implications and there's small, tiny choices and each one is, is a miracle that you can empower us to um, to be part of and we want to offer ourselves in thanksgiving for your forgiveness of us um, with obedience to your commands and with a sense of purpose for what you've called us to be those those ones who demonstrate what forgiveness is but lord help us we need you so much amen